Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. This is Brian Lair's Daily Politics podcast from WNYC Studios. It's Thursday, February 2nd. I'm Bridget Bergen, senior reporter in the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom, filling in for Brian, who's off today. Congressman Dan Goldman has been busy. A Democrat, he's the freshman member of the new 10th Congressional District, a product of last year's wild redistricting cycle. The district stretches from lower Manhattan across to the neighborhoods along the North Brooklyn waterfront. Goldman was the winner of a very crowded primary that included several current and former elected officials. Part of the case he made to voters was that he could bring his skills as a former federal prosecutor to serve as a check on what was expected to be an even more Republican-controlled Congress. Goldman is no stranger to Washington, D.C. He served as lead prosecutor in the first impeachment investigation of former President Trump. And since the start of this 118th Congress, he has been an outspoken critic of another member of the New York congressional delegation. That would be Republican Congressman George Santos from Queens and Long Island. Joining me now to talk about his work both in Washington and here at home is Congressman Dan Goldman. Congressman, welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me, Bridget. Great to be here. Before we talk about Congressman Santos, I want to start with your oversight work. And in this case, oversight with a lowercase o, since that's what you're doing writ large through your office. Uh, But just yesterday, as a member of the House Oversight Committee, capital O, you were part of a hearing that the Republican majority said would target pandemic-era spending fraud. Can you tell us a little about yesterday's hearing and how you approached the hearing in a different way? Sure. You know, I think when you have these uh, large uh, appropriations from Congress, which, um, you know, happened after the 2008 financial crisis as well, uh, you are going to have bad actors who prey on the opportunity to uh, defraud the government in these programs. And there's no question that we have seen that. Um, because of the unprecedented nature and um, of this pandemic and the, the Congress's truly, you know, remarkable effort to uh, not only save lives, but save the economy during the, the shutdown, um, you had a, tr- a number of bad actors who did defraud the government in the PPP program and uh, in the other uh, other uh, programs that that Congress appropriated, and so in theory, um, having you know some oversight uh, from the oversight committee of waste, fraud, and abuse is a legitimate function of the oversight committee. Mm-hmm. But as with all things in this Republican Congress, um, that wasn't exactly how they approached it, nor was it the purpose. Uh, of the hearing, notwithstanding the name. And so, you know, I thought it was important for us as as Democrats to point out uh, what is merited for uh, oversight and why this sort of uh, partisan blame game 
is unhelpful and frankly just incorrect. Um, and so, you, you know, when when you look at uh, the pandemic response, you know, the initial wave of money happened during the Trump administration and much of the problems uh, stemmed from the Trump administration. And I think that the Biden administration has done an admirable job, not only in cracking down on fraud, but in making sure that the federal government is working much more for the people. And so we tried to bring that perspective to this hearing. You were also tapped to serve on the Select Committee on Weaponization of the Federal Government that will be chaired by Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, It's been described as, quote, a sweeping new select committee that will review misconduct by the federal government. You have called it the GOP subcommittee to obstruct justice. Uh, What do you view as your role on that committee? Right. It is that because it is a sweeping jurisdiction for this subcommittee, uh, including the uh, authority to investigate ongoing criminal investigations, um, which is a, a very transparent way of trying to interfere in the Department of Justice's ongoing investigations into Donald Trump and even into some of the House Republicans themselves. And so what I'm hoping to bring to that committee is based on my 10 years working for the Department of Justice alongside the FBI and my work uh, as a staff member on the House Intelligence Committee, where I interacted with the intelligence community on a daily basis, is to bring some facts and truth to what is almost certainly going to be um, a uh, overreaching and partisan investigative effort by Jim Jordan. I sat across from Jim Jordan for 17 depositions during the impeachment investigation, and I, I got to know him and his tactics. And I think what we as Democrats are going to do is bring a very sober, serious approach to making sure that we defend our institutions of democracy, that we defend the rule of law, and that we actually bring some expertise about how the federal government works. And that is not something that the Republican members, including Jim Jordan, seem to understand very well. So, you know, I view my job in part is to make sure that uh, the, the Department of Justice, the executive agencies that are trying to be a bulwark for democracy um, are are defended in the sense of uh, what their jobs are and what they're doing and making sure that we understand and the American people truly understand how our government works for the people, um, not in a partisan way that the Republicans will bring. We're going to go to one of our callers. Uh, let's go to Andrew in Middle Village. Andrew, you are on the line with Congressman Dan Goldman. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, Congressman Golden, yeah, I just actually have three questions, but I'll just I'll keep to two. When are you going to audit the Pentagon? In other words, all that money that is poured into the military-industrial complex, a ton of it is not accounted for. Up to $2 trillion has been lost. When are you going to audit specifically the monies that have been sent to Ukraine to fund a war? And when are you going to call for diplomacy to end that war? Because that is the only way that that war is going to end. And when is this country going to stop being involved in endless wars? Uh, Thanks for the question, Andrew. You know, I I think we as, uh, you know, on the 
uh, at least I w- am concerned about the growing uh, spending that is occurring with our uh, defense budget, um, which continues to increase, you know, every year, notwithstanding the fact that uh, the Iran, I mean, the Iraq and the Afghanistan wars are over. And I think you raise a, you know, a very good point that um, will probably come up as the Republicans insist on cutting spending. And they are traditionally going to want to cut spending uh, for domestic programs, including Social Security and Medicare, which we as Democrats are going to vigorously defend. Um, But we are going to insist on some cuts in defense spending uh, to be a uh, to be comparable to any cuts that uh, occur in domestic spending. Um, But I think you raise an issue which frankly, is something I want to bring, which is oversight and accountability to all government programs, both uh, federally, but also within the district and within the city, uh, making sure that we are doing the proper oversight and holding uh, NYCHA accountable, for example. Yes, we need a lot of funding uh, for NYCHA capital improvement, but we also need to make sure that our NYCHA residents are living with dignity and living with heat and hot water and basic needs. And that's something that all too often NYCHA is failing to do. So uh, oversight and accountability as in the minority is going to be something that uh, we can still effectively do, even if it's going to be hard to pass our legislative priorities. And Congressman Goldman, let's talk about Santos. Um, The last time you were on this show, just after winning the general election, uh, Congressman Santos was the guest right before you. And In that interview, he repeated some of his now debunked claims, like four of his employees died at the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, He also went on to say this about what he thought voters in his district wanted. You know, transparency, accountability, these are things that Americans are looking for now. They want people held accountable. They want transparency. They want people and they want accountability from Congress on top of good governance. And we need to deliver good governance in this next Congress and deliver an agenda that's going to be good for the people. One of your first moves was to work with Congressman Richie Torres in the Bronx to file a complaint with the House Ethics Committee against Congressman Santos, uh, as well as introducing legislation named the Santos Act, which stands for Stopping Another Non-Truthful Office Seeker. Uh, Congressman Goldman, when did you start digging into Santos and realizing that there were serious questions about his past? Well, in in mid-December, the New York Times uh, had a bombshell report about all of Mm -hmm. his lies. And um, the thing that I, based on my, you know, training as a prosecutor, honed in on were his finances. Because, I mean, his his lies about his uh, ethnicity, his religion, his education, his employment, you know, are, are really startling and and shocking. But uh, part of the reason that we introduced that Santos Act is because those are not uh, crimes. But what could potentially be a crime or a violation of ethics and uh, in government, um, the act that prohibits members of Congress uh, from lying about their uh, campaign finance disclosures, um, that is where you know, the the true legal violations can lie. And so I really started digging in and looking closely at his financial statements. And there were, you know, red lights all over the place uh, related to his campaign finances and his 
uh, financial disclosures. And so that's why Congressman Torres and I uh, referred uh, the, the his campaign finances to the Ethics Committee for an investigation. And of course, as we now know, um, federal uh, criminal authorities are looking into uh, the same financial conduct. Um, you know, I, I think there are sort of two separate issues. One is just, you know, core basic ethics. And uh, he wants to talk about transparency and accountability. It's, you know, the the irony just screams out loud. Um, he deceived his voters. He mm-hmm. induced them to vote for him based on a, a web of lies. Um, and that's enough for him to resign um, but then there also may be violations of law that mm-hmm. he should be held accountable for. As a member of Congress who is dealing with constituent issues, you've alluded to this, you know, the impact of what is happening here really is very much on the voters in Santos's district. There was that, of course, Santa College News Day poll this week that found that more than 78 percent of voters polled in his district want him to resign. But as you said, Republicans have said the voters elected him, um, but now they're left with with a half representative. I mean, can you speak to what you think the impact is on the voters? Yeah, look, I, th- I think that rationale uh, is is quite ridiculous, actually. I mean, that's like saying that, you know, someone who lies on a bank loan application is uh, should is absolved of guilt because the bank gave them the money. Well, the bank gave them the money because of the fraud. And George Santos is got his votes because of his fraud. So, you know, it is quite indicative that over 60% of the voters who voted for him in that Siena poll that you referenced said they would not have voted for him if they knew the truth. Um, and so that that is a completely bogus explanation that doesn't stand, uh, you know, stand up. Um, so but yes, I, I, if I were a voter in the third district of New York, I'd be furious. Uh, a lot of our work happens in the committees. I'm on the Homeland Security Committee, you know, and one of the things that I've really started focusing on is the asylee crisis that New York mm. City is facing. If I were not on that committee, I would not have the same access and the same ability to do that work. And so George Santos wanders around Congress doing nothing other than voting in support of Kevin McCarthy on whatever Kevin McCarthy puts forward, but he's unable to actually do the work for his district and for his voters that they sent him to do. You're listening to The Brian Lehrer Show. I'm Bridget Bergen from the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom in for Brian today. My guest is Congressman Dan Goldman. And Congressman, we're going to talk about that um, crisis with migrants here in New York in just a moment. But our lines are full of constituents and callers who want to speak with you. So let's go to Marvin in Brooklyn. Marvin, welcome to WNYC. You're on with Congressman Dan Goldman. Hi, Bridget. Thank you for your work. And hi, Dan. Um, the question I wanted to ask is, uh, since you since you won the primary, you've been very active in terms of co-fundraising and helping elect Democrats. How do you see your role in terms of helping us recapture uh, the House and especially to make up for the seats we lost in New York State in this current election? And uh, we're very proud of the job that you've been doing. Thank you so much, Marvin. And it's a great question. I, I think 
there's a lot of energy and excitement within the Democratic caucus, notwithstanding the fact that we are in the minority. And we are all very focused on making sure that we take back the House in 2024. Um, that, that is a, a key element of, of what we're doing because uh, as you can see from the first couple weeks of this uh, Republican majority, uh, they're not serious about actual legislation that can help the majority of American people and certainly that will help the, the, the constituents in New York 10 in my district. They're r- much more interested in sort of fringe elements and sort of, you know, uh, QAnon conspiracies and messaging resolutions that you know have no chance of becoming law so uh we are very unified here in congress and we're very focused on making sure that we put our best candidates forward to flip the house again i can tell you that the new york delegation uh has been spending a lot of time together talking about what happened in new york in the last election and figuring out a path forward to make sure that it does not happen again in the next election. Um, and we're very supportive of each other and we're very focused. And I think everybody in our New York delegation is very disappointed in the results in New York, which, you know, you could make a very good argument that there were enough close races that swung the majority to uh, the Republicans. And, and one of the things that, you know, we need to emphasize is, uh, especially working together with not only the governor, but our local and state elected officials to make sure everyone understands that so many of our priorities within the city, within the state, hinge on federal funding. And if Democrats don't have the majority, we cannot get that federal funding for our priorities in the state. So it's not not only something that we in Congress are focused on, but it's something that we as an entire state need to be focused on. We have one last caller that we're going to ask our final question. Uh, Laura in Warren, New Jersey, I know you have a question, which was going to be my last question, which is about the debt ceiling, but we only have a few seconds. So if you could make your question tight, that would be great. Okay. Hi, thank you. Um, Yes, I'm a a Democrat from New Jersey, and I'm very worried about the debt ceiling, um, you know, uh, leading to default. And I was hoping that the Democrats could reach out to Kevin McCarthy, whose, you know, obviously main priority is staying in his position rather than doing what's right for the country to say, you know, we'll vote for you if you get a uh, to stay in your position. If you um, put bring up a um, debt ceiling uh, increase without any uh, strings attached to make that deal with him. What, what's wrong with making that deal and keeping him in his place? Because we can't elect a Democrat as Speaker anyway. No, it's, it's a good question that a lot, of, a, a lot of people certainly were asking in that, in that first week. Um, I think what, what everybody needs to realize is Kevin McCarthy is, is not a good faith actor. Um, and he cannot, frankly, he cannot be trusted. Um, so, you know, I, I think if, if he were willing to provide some concessions to Democrats, uh, we could support him. Um, but he would need to pr- make sure that we get some of our bills to the floor and that uh, we get something out of our support for him. Um, because otherwise, we are 
essentially propping up uh, the Republicans in support of their extremist agenda. Um, Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party should do the right thing, which is to pay our past debts. Um, if we want to talk about spending cuts and reducing the deficit moving forward, that is an entirely separate conversation, and it should be kept separate. But the reality is that the extremist Republicans want to eliminate our Social Security. They want to eliminate our Medicare. And we cannot allow that to happen. And so we're not going to be held hostage by the threats of pushing our country in, and our nation, I mean, our world into an economic calamity. We're going to have to leave it there for today. I've been speaking with Congressman Daniel Goldman, who represents the 10th Congressional District. Congressman, good luck on your travels and your visit uh, to the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal today. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. Take care. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.